Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to Screen Heroes, your TV and film podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and I have with me my two lovely, regular, longtime hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hello. Hello. And this week, we are discussing Wonder Woman 1984, which just dropped on HBO Max on Christmas Day and has been in theaters, depending on where you are in the world, uh, for varying amounts of time. So that's what we're talking about. That's our main topic. We do not have anything about The Mandalorian to talk about at the end of the show. So sorry for that. It's it, The season's over. But we will kick things off with some of the latest news in entertainment. Sticking with kind of the, the, the Disney train for a minute, we have a little bit on WandaVision, which lands January uh, 15th, and we will be reviewing WandaVision here on the show. We don't normally do that, but we thought we would take a crack at it with the new Disney Plus Marvel series. And basically, the the quote in this comicbook.com article basically says the show's actually eight episodes and not six episodes. So that's just an informational thing for people to know, because we all thought, at least I was under the impression that it was only six episodes. It hasn't technically been confirmed yet. It's there could be a week break in there or something like that. It's uh, they just True. announced the date that the show ends and there's eight weeks in between those two dates. So it's an assumption. It's probably a good one. But, you know, yeah. who knows? We'll find out. Agreed. That's just, you know, where where we are with that. So nothing super exciting. It is a little weird that they haven't announced that this close. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. That also puts us, isn't that only like a week or two off of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier's premiere date? It's like, there's not going to be much of a break there. Uh, There's a couple of weeks. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is in the 20s in March, Ah. March 20 something. So it it does give us, it's not, it gives us a little bit of a break if the Snyder Cut drops in March, which is the rumor. Uh, or what they've been alluding to anyway it's not really a rumor it's more of what they've been alluding to 
saying by the end of Q1. So we might see the Snyder cut during that break. I don't know. We'll have to d- figure out our schedule as, as we learn those types of things. Cause we want to cover both obviously. And uh, that might get tricky. True. Yeah. In the DC area, which is what our main topic is today. Anyway, HBO has talked a bit more about the DCEU and what we can expect, which includes some release cycle type stuff. And one of those is that they are going to be releasing two new DC movies a year directly on HBO Max. And these will be, quote, riskier products um, or IPs. And the examples that they used were Batgirl and Static Shock. And thoughts on any of that, guys? Because I certainly have opinions. Ray? I mean, I think it's good. I think that if they're able to do this, it's going to be very entertaining. And it'll keep people on HBO Max for quite some time. However, DC has lied to us before. (laughs) Warner Brothers has lied. Where's our Supergirl movie? Where's our Green Lantern movie? Like, I, if they can pull this off, that's great. But show me first at this point. It's been six years since they planned out their timeline and only half of what they planned got accomplished. So I I really feel like this is a show don't tell. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it could be good too. It, the way they worded the whole thing is a little weird, but uh, you know, just trying to take their point into account, it, it's good to see that there's going to be more DC content. So obviously we're all fans. Um, I think they also said that they've considered a spinoff for every single DC movie that they have coming out, a spinoff show. So like, you know, the Gotham, whatever the Gotham show is going to be. I can't remember if they gave it a name or not. Gotham PD on HBO Max. It's a spinoff from the new Batman movie, whenever that comes out. Um, You know, we could get a Flash movie or a Flash spinoff TV show of some kind. I don't know, like Star Labs show or something. Uh, you know, there's there's some potential there, but I think it's a bit of a stretch if they're doing that for every movie. I agree. I also don't know that it's necessarily a, a good idea to try and, and do that. You know, like I'm excited for the Batman. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't say the same for Gotham PD. It doesn't mean it'll be a bad show. It doesn't mean it won't be worth watching for people, but that's not what I'm really interested in. It's, it's why Gotham on Fox didn't initially grab me either because I just, I don't really, that's not what I watch Batman for. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what, you know, for the flash, if they do a star lab show, I mean, they've done that on the CW for the last, whatever, six, seven seasons, you know, we've had, it's, that's basically what the flash is, is a star lab show and that's fine, but I don't know that I need two of those. Truthfully, I think doing a show about Arkham would be way more interesting because then you could have like a horror aspect, bring the rated R thing in there. It could be kind of like Hannibal, Silence of the Lambs a little. You could get really into the whole psyche of all the inmates. And, you know, you don't always have to have famous ones. The problem with doing a procedural cop show set in Gotham is everybody's going to want to see the big bads and they're going to have to give up fan service, but also um, try and not ruin any potentials for 
the big screen too. It's kind of why it took so long for us to get Superman on CW and why we still don't have Batman on CW. So I I think like the potential is there for really good shows, but they're focusing on the wrong things. It's like when they announced they wanted to do a trench movie after Aquaman's success, it's like, you're getting the wrong message from this. <laughs> like, we saw Aquaman, we want to see Aquaman 2, not the trench. And also, I mean, the other downside of this, and it kind of ties into our topic tonight that I'm sure we'll talk about, is that they're already struggling with continuity of any kind in the DCEU. So... I mean, it, adding more things to potentially screw up the continuity and make people go, wait, wait, what happened over here? And why is it not happening over here? Why is this not, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, it, I don't know. As much as I want more DC content, I want it to be quality DC content. So I just don't want to throw a whole bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Well, I yeah. think it would be really cool if they had a Birds of Prey miniseries they moved over Hawk and Dove from Titans because they were also in uh, the comic book Birds of Prey. And it leads into their own Birds of Prey movie. And then you have uh, connecting content just like you do with Marvel right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. and I, I do definitely have continuity concerns because I'm a fan of the multiverse. Okay, but that's different than continuity problems right if you're gonna have two different versions of batman exist in two different realities that's a separate thing from having the same character seemingly have different things going on depending on what movie you're watching and well like ryan said we'll get into all of that but i'm definitely concerned that yeah there's what there's nine movies at this point 10 if you count joker and they still have they already have continuity problems uh, is big not, ones too like it's I not mean, a great sign right yeah. and and so you know the tv shows have been able to get away from things like that because well it's the cw and they're their own little universe over here and then you've got what was the dcu content so titans and doom patrol and, and they're over here and the harlequin cartoon doesn't seemingly be connected to anything at all uh, which allows it to do its own thing but they're at least relatively consistent within themselves so maybe the shows can handle that because it's a different creative group I, I don't know but the idea of every upcoming project has spinoffs being planned that sentence is concerning <laughs> Birds of Prey is the only one that really would have me super excited because I think the biggest complaint for most reviewers was there was not a lot. The Birds of Prey were the coolest part and you barely got to see any of them, you know? So right. yeah, that one, that's one where it would work for me, but I don't really need another Gotham TV show. I don't really need to see Star Labs or, you know, any of these other things. So yeah, I'm with you. The only other one I would throw out there that I would be interested in, in addition to Birds of Prey, because I'm hundred percent no, no, Themyscira. Oh. I'd like to see like a Themyscira Warriors type show. And it could take place way in the past, you know, maybe, you know, where they're fighting some, you know, gods or they're being, they're, it's during their liberation or something. But Except they have continuity, continuity problems and prequels too, which we'll talk about, <laughs> you know, coming up here shortly. You're right. But my hope would be kind of like with Star Wars is that like enough time is between If those? they go thousands of years <laughs> in the past. If they go far enough I actually back. want to see the, the Amazons being created you know like yeah if they go far enough back it, it, it can only cause so many problems and 
So anyway, I, I would like to see that because the the work that they've done on the Themyscira stuff has been really great for me. So that I'd be interested in seeing more of. And I know that that's in the works already. Um, so that's, I guess, is that if that counts as the spinoff to Wonder Woman? I don't know if that was included in that thought or not, but there you have it. So yeah. Anything else on that topic? Nope. No. Okay. Is there any other news you guys want to cover? It was a pretty quiet week overall. The history of swear words comes out soon. So make sure you gear up for that. And why might people be interested in that, Ryan? Tell us a bit about that show. Uh, It's Nicolas Cage and he's cursing the whole time. So watch it. He's not just cursing. He's he's also explaining it. Yeah. It's you're learning. Also, this is a great (laughs) show to watch with kids so that they know (laughs) the history of their etymology that they use every day. Oh man. Yes. The, 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 the history of swear words hosted by Nicolas Cage lands on Netflix January 5th. That's right. And I, I, I know will be, well, that's a Tuesday, unfortunately. So I don't know that I'll get to watch it on launch day, but I will definitely be watching it. Yeah. So. We'll do a special one-off uh, screen heroes podcast to discuss it. Ooh. Rachel won't want to be involved probably because it's Nicolas Cage, but <laughs> she's had enough of him i think for a little while that's okay she's she's earned a break (laughs) all right well then with that we're gonna go ahead and take a short break and when we come back we will be discussing wonder woman 1984 its connections to the larger larger dceu as well so this is your spoiler warning for all of that we will be right back everybody lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details all right and we are back welcome back we are talking wonder woman 1984 which dropped on hbo max this week this past week on christmas day and is available in select theaters depending on where you live and what is happening with the pandemic in your particular area the movie some just you know little financial stuff that we have on it which is is not a lot um we know that it has made about 85 million dollars worldwide so far which includes uh, you know an actual theater release in china and some other countries so not not horrible it apparently is a record for pandemic release of a film so it's, it's doing better than tenant did so i'm sure warner brothers is at least happy about that uh and the movie has come out to relatively mixed reviews um the reviews have been fairly extreme on one side or the other which you know as the social medias tend to tend to lean but we will talk about that i'm sure but this we already gave your spoiler warning this is it so we are going to dive right into it wonder woman 1984 well then let's start at the beginning so the movie opens up on themiscara in the past where we have young diana and she is competing in a um an athletic game an athletic competition kind of like a triathlon but you know for people that are in much more better shape than i am and she is competing with adult adult amazon warriors um what did you guys think about the opening of the movie i know ray's got some opinions 
uh ray is busy at the moment so um <laughs> i mean i think my opinion is that it served no purpose other than being cool and uh it was probably a little too long if nothing else i did i'm not really a big fan of like kids being awesome uh, i'm more of a fan of like in the first movie when we got to see diana uh as a grown-up in Thermoscara, i thought was much cooler than seeing the kid running in a thing competing against adults to show how awesome she is and then cheating um and you could say that it kind of sets up the message for the movie but i don't really think that that made the movie even better any better and it's even that's a stretch um i know i read an article that patty jenkins had to fight to have this scene in the movie because warner brothers wanted to cut it and I think that Warner Brothers was right in this case. I mean, it's a cool scene, but it really doesn't actually add anything to the movie for me personally. Um, other than just, I guess you also set up the golden armor a little bit, but that's explained later. So you don't really have to, I mean, you don't have to do it through this scene. So I don't know. It was a fine scene. I, I just, this movie was too long in my opinion. And this was one of several things that could have been cut out of the movie and would not have affected the end result. It is two and a half hours. I didn't catch the runtime on the Themyscira scene. Um, so I'm not sure how much of that two and a half hours it was. It felt like maybe 15 minutes. It was a does long that, scene. Does that seem fair? Um, so that would have been a, a, a big chunk to remove. Um, but since it's not, since it's being released on a, now, I mean, of course they didn't know at the time it was going to be released on HBO max, but time length of films matters a lot more when you're releasing in theaters uh, because it de determines how many times you can show it in a day on the same screen. So I'm sure that probably had something to do with Warner brothers conversations as well, getting it under two and a half hours. But um, Ray, what do you think? I liked it. I liked the cinematography of it. I liked the uh, actual gauntlet itself. I thought it was really incredible. Um, I agree that it was a bit long. It could have definitely be cut down, but I, I'm a huge fan of Wonder Woman. So getting to see her as a small child and, you know, she is technically the only one that is Amazon and God. So having her be better than everybody is you'd think that would disqualify you right like let's put it into the flash again in the normal human olympics so. but nobody knows that though it's a secret remember Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so i i thought it was fun but then the scene in dc where she is going around and saving people from all these like small situations. That is amazing. And it turns into the mall heist. I loved that. That's the kind of stuff that like we've wanted to see from Superman movies for a while now. So I thought it was a neat opening. Yeah. So that part I really liked a lot and it was I loved it and was a little frustrated because it is really good. And people keep saying that you can't do a Superman like that in quote today's world, but it clearly works just fine. So I know I don't buy that as an excuse anymore because I thought that that was great. Um, the mall scene is pretty good. I think that it, the problem with it is it runs into the continuity problems. That's, that's where the real issue with that scene is. There's nothing wrong with the way it's it shot or the fact that she does those things. The problem is that she's already told us 
in 2016 present day that she's left the world of man for decades and decades basically we're supposed to believe since since uh, since steve died right so it's been a hundred years almost <laughs> that she's she's left behind man's world and then here she is like running through a mall where dozens of people have seen her really well in bright daylight but nobody knows she exists. So like, it's a frustrating scene because of the, that kind of dichotomy of it being a great scene that shouldn't have happened. The mall scene, I have, I have very mixed feelings about almost everything in this movie. The mall scene was a cool idea. Um, I don't have a problem with, I, that line is obviously a continuity issue, but we've known that that was going to be a continuity issue since the first Wonder Woman movie. So that didn't bother me as much. My problem with the continuity of that scene is more like these people are acting like they've never seen Wonder Woman before and she, no, no idea who she is, but they're showing us this. And so it clearly probably happens on a regular basis. I doubt they're showing us this one isolated instance where she came out and decided to be Wonder Woman and save this mall. Um, but nobody, there's been no news stories that said like a mysterious woman dressed in red and blue and gold saves people from guns and violence and whatever else. You know what I mean? That, that part was harder for me to believe. It also kind of set up this weird thing with her lasso that was through the whole movie. And if you've watched some of our episodes where I talk about Kung Fu movies and what bothers me in those movies, this is along those same lines. She... It, We've had discussions of superhero physics before that, you know, there's various levels of problems that each of us have with that. But like her lasso makes her like float, basically. I like the lasso. It did. It's the lasso of truth and did nothing like what its name implies this whole movie, first of all. But then also it basically made her defy gravity like weightless. She had no weight when she was swinging on the lasso. She's just kind of, it's very floaty fight scenes of the lasso in through that the entire movie. And at least it's consistent in that through the whole movie, but it's not necessarily consistent with the things we've seen in the other movies. And it's just a personal pet peeve of mine when people are kind of like floaty in something that's supposed to be a realistic movie. And, and we hadn't know we don't know that she could fly at this point. So, you know, I don't know her in the first movie, this was not the way her lasso kind of worked. No, it's not. But in the final fight, she does basically fly. And even I've asked before, before this movie came out, I asked like she's flying at the end of the first movie, right? Like that's what she's doing. And it was unclear. And now in this movie, we at least get the answer to that. So I think it kind of retroactively explains it of, well, it's kind of flying. She doesn't really know that she's doing it right. It's more like a, but she also thing. That same thing would have applied in the first movie when she's fighting with a lasso and she didn't it it didn't treat her like that in the first movie. She didn't like no. all of a sudden become weightless. And well, but she's gotten better. Right? She's had, you know, 70 okay. years or 60 years or whatever it is to uh, to learn. That's all. Okay. I mean, that's well, a- even even if that's an explanation, it still didn't. I, I still didn't like that. That's <laughs> I, I don't like that kind of a fight scene. Yeah. If, if somebody can just, you know, be everybody has weight. Right. right. Even even Superman when he's flying or landing or doing things, he has weight, you know? Um, so I don't know. It, that was a problem for me, maybe not for everybody, but it, it went on through this whole movie and it bothered me every time. So, yeah. I mean, I mean I, subjectively, totally. I, I understand where you're coming from that. That's fine. That, that you don't care for that. I think that they explain how it's possible from an objective standpoint. It's just stylistically, you know, whatever. 
Right. I did like I did like parts of that scene, like when uh, she saves the little girl and like slides the little girl into the uh, teddy bear. That was cool, and uh, you know her just being able to pick up a dude like easily with no trouble was cool. Um, and something that I mean, Gal is great as this character, and she was great in this movie, and a lot of the main actors were great in this movie. Um, so you know gal saved that scene for me a lot of this movie felt like they were trying to do uh donner's like superman 2 kind of feel and the scene kind of was that also but uh it, it didn't hit quite as hard as it did, as as that movie did for me overall but that scene felt like very much like an homage specifically to that yeah and i i think that's true i think that was the case and that may have even been patty trying to show that that type of character can still exist today you know because the dc is on a darker slide or darker tone because of snyder and his his vision of these characters and even wonder woman was a darker character in, in bvs you know than she has been in her own movies and so maybe that was jenkins way of showing it doesn't have to be that way could be maybe i mean overall this this movie made me worry that I I haven't seen anything else that Patty Jenkins has done other than the original Wonder Woman and this one, and I'm a little worried now that Patty Jenkins was not I, that she's kind of like a Zack Snyder where they do really cool stuff in one movie and then the next movie is like a mess, uh, but there, there's still some good things in the movie. But overall, like there's a lot of issues, and I'm I'm a little worried because these are the only two movies I've seen of hers. I've heard that there's other movies um that she's made that are great monster i think is one i've never seen that though and so just judging off these two movies is one hit and one miss for me overall and and i worry a little bit now when i wouldn't have worried before yeah i mean i go back and forth on that because there's some directors i don't mind when they have control of a franchise but then there's other times where like in star trek and star wars where i think it's a good thing when you're constantly getting different directors and you get that fresh perspective and that fresh blood so sometimes I think for me, it just depends on who it is, you know, and there's certain directors that have just like Edgar Wright. I, 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 I just want to see him do everything, you know? So if he does another movie, I'm not, I'm never going to think twice about it, but you know, you see JJ Abrams and the fact it's that a mixed can, bag. It's right. Exactly. The you same know, with Zack Snyder. Really. It's a mixed bag of his stuff. And, you know, these are the directors they've chosen to kind of lead the DCEU, mm-hmm. you know? So Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a fair point. I I don't know. I Because these are the only two movies of her that I know, there, there isn't like a, a style that really shouts out at me. Whereas like Snyder has such an overt style that's very obviously Snyder. You know, just like how like Nolan's got his his music that he always has. And like, you can just kind of like tell. But I don't know that that Jenkins has that yet. Where well, if hers- I saw it, I would know. She, she doesn't have that for me either but definitely something that stands out in her movies for me is like her uh that, her, her character focus she's very focused on emotional connections between the characters and like that more uh like personal level of character development and less on the action um which is fine it's a little tough in a superhero movie because you you know there's got to be a certain level of action it's that's kind of expected and some of the characters i'm sure we'll get into it felt like they were just there for that action scene and that's the only reason why they're in the movie um but yeah that would be her style i wouldn't be able to pick it out because it's not as visually like 
you know yeah. there's nothing huge about it but because and there's a lot of directors maybe not that do it as well as she does but that focus on that same thing i think she'd actually be pretty good at making a star trek movie for those reasons it's because, definitely more upper alley i think right because it's more character focus that's more what it's about it's about that that journey and that experience and the action is kind of like has to be there because it's a movie right and you can't have can't have a movie without an action sequence somewhere in it um but you know there you go um ray I, you, since you're back now is there anything else you'd like to add before we move on <laughs> that would be our daughter and she says no um, <laughs> um so i don't have a problem with uh the lasso and her going from you know in incredible leaps to floating to flying uh i've kind of given up on superhero physics making sense so that for me i just suspend my disbelief like i i've seriously given up on it yeah so i I definitely i like i was saying to derek you had walked away so i don't know if you heard it but i it's more or less like it's just a picky thing for me that like, I just don't like fight scenes where one character is like floaty and there's no yeah. weight. That's just a personal thing for me. You and so I get, before, not everybody like, would have an issue. When we talked about hero. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a yeah and that one and uh, this crouching tiger, hidden dragon. I don't think we really discussed Same that, way. but that's another yeah. one that has a similar issue for me. And there's several movies like that, but um, that's just a personal thing for me. I don't think it bothered anybody really other than me, maybe some other people. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, I guess we could get into like the the crux of the movie. So I have uh, overall, I thought the movie was a decent popcorn flick. I thought it was mediocre and you know comparable to more of the Marvel movies. Since you know at this point we're twenty one films into that and uh, like less than half are outstanding uh, but they're all like fairly good so I thought you know this was good I had two major issues with it though and that concerns the Steve Trevor body swap and the uh, Barbara Minerva you know zero to hot yeah yeah those um i will say pedro pascal turned in a surprising performance as maxwell lord i was not expecting that to be the interesting part of the movie right i mean we all know he's a good actor but yeah max lord is a very meh character in the comics cares about him (laughs) his big thing is that wonder woman snaps his neck and so I was kind of waiting for that. And you wanted her to pull Zod? <laughs> I think it makes more sense in her second I movie to agree. do that. I actually think it just makes more sense for her character because she's a warrior, right? Like this but is she's, Clark Kent is not a warrior. But you have to remember that in the first movie, like a good chunk of it is her being disgusted by all the violence and the carnage. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's I think she was just disgusted by men in general. Aren't we all? <laughs> Some days. But pa- yeah, Pedro did a fantastic job. Fun little fact. He actually was going to be in the Wonder Woman TV show 
that was going to be on NBC. We had the pilot. Adrian Palicki. Yeah. And so this was, he actually thought that there was, when he was auditioning for this, he thought there was no way they would cast him because he was in a failed pilot of the same property. And man, I don't remember him from that pilot, but I remember very little about that pilot, to be honest. So I never actually watched it. It's I worth never, watching. It looked like it had some it. potential. So I'm a little disappointed it never got made, but. Oh, I would have watched the show. I yeah. definitely would have checked out the show. But but yeah, so I mean he got he got what's clearly a larger role uh, <laughs> at the end of the day and he killed it. Um I, I agree with both of your main issues, Ray, because we will dissect those. And then I only had one other real issue, and it was at the tail end of the movie with the the big master plan for how he was going to how Lord was going to connect with people using this particle Photons. thing. And like it's just being explained to him by, by Reagan and it's just silly. And so that, that I didn't really care for, but let's take one at a time. Let's talk Steve Trevor and the, the whole body swap thing. So at least for me, I was glad they came up with an in-universe explanation for how he's not dead because I was really worried that that was going to make zero sense. So at least that worked, but that's kind of, that's where it stops. Yeah. Is the problem is you have this MacGuffin, essentially, this dreamstone, and it is, uh, it, it can be anything. You can do literally anything with this. And it, instead of like conjuring up his own body, they have to swap it out. And this poor man who used to have a life and doesn't now is his poor body's just along for the ride now on the best case scenario that man is just you know his consciousness is like in an ether and he has no idea what happens to him on the terrible spectrum it could be like a get out scenario where he's in his own void and he's watching this whole time and both are pretty messed up i'm surprised it got through so many people before they were like hey 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 you know this this is uh kind of rapey <laughs> yeah very problematic sexual assault type stuff mm -hmm. i mean it's a problem not only because wonder woman like right away has sex with him but also that steve trevor isn't like i'm just borrowing this dude's body let's like and also it's kind of implied that wonder woman still sees him as this other guy not as steve trevor it's, it's not implied really no that that's it's very clear that is this, it that yeah he does I, not I thought it was look... really ambiguous no 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 it's straight I mean, up... when they show him in the mirror you see that he still looks like the guy but i didn't know if like our perspective was diana's perspective and she was seeing steve trevor so the, it seemed very clear to me that what she when she says that she means like in her heart she knows it's him so that's how she chooses but he to looks see like him, this other guy but he looks like the other guy yeah yeah and that was especially that makes it even she, worse she recognizes him at the end of the movie when he's actually himself again yeah and then you get like what's supposed to be shortly after this and it turns out it's christmas even though it was just fourth of july and i mean I, I'm wondering if they filmed that last scene just because they found out they're releasing on Christmas and like wanted to have a tie in there because that was weird. I, it felt out of place. But in any case, getting back to the point. Yes, that was super, super problematic. And it just didn't make any sense. Why can this wish create nukes and military bases from thin air, but it can't manifest a, his body back like it, it didn't 
the story would not have been any different if it was his body versus this guy's body. It would have changed nothing in the movie. So it's so weird, like you said, Rachel, that nobody caught this and went like, first of all, this is kind of rapey, but also why do we need to do this? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add anything to the movie. It, to me, I feel like the monkey's paw uh, takeaway from it all could have been better if that was the case, because then they could have focused on the fact that, like, his body is rapidly aging sure. or um, they could have done something like uh, he he's his body was brought back from the dead. So it's kind of like Cinderella and he'll turn back into a corpse or something, you know, because then Diana really has to focus on renouncing her wish um, because it would help him. But that's I think that changes the tone of the film, though, because the whole point is that she doesn't want to give him up. And if I think it changes the tone for the better, because right now she's like, I will do anything to keep this like she was ready to just be a normal person and let this guy essentially die. You know, this this body, this person, whoever he is, she was okay with just like letting it go. Well, right. And that that's very problematic. Right. Right. At the end of the day. But I think they they just totally ignore that it's another person. So that way it can be about her. Right. She has to give up Steve to get her powers back to save the world. So it's more about her giving up Steve than anything else. And I think that. You could still have had it be Steve, just his normal body. There's no reason to have it be somebody else's body. I completely agree on all of that. I just think if you add in him like deteriorating quickly or something like that, then she's also doing it for him. Not just, you know what I mean? Not just because it's the right thing to do. She's doing it to save him from that situation rather than letting him go for the betterment of the world. It just changes that stakes a little bit, which is kind of the whole point of the movie is that, and the reason they have the scene in the beginning is you can't cheat your way to anything is the idea. So she can't have Steve back because he's already gone. Right. And so she has to be willing to let him go. Otherwise she could have him. And that's, that's the whole point of the movie. The fact that he's in another body is super weird, makes zero sense. And I have no idea why they did that. Here's my other problem with this whole thing. And, and maybe this is just my male perspective not being good. But what, from what I understand, a, pro, a lot of problems for the way that women are portrayed in movies is that they're like their character is reliant on a man to like be successful or whatever. She knew Steve Trevor for like two weeks, right? Before he died. Now it's been how many decades? She's still not over him. And her one wish as a superhero, right? that's supposed to be doing good in the world of man is to bring back her dead boyfriend that she knew for like two weeks. Okay. In all fairness, she didn't know the dreamstone actually worked. <laughs> she, she was just <laughs> thinking about Steve and I get it. I would lust after Chris Pine for 70 years too. 
But would you? I, know? I mean, I feel like if there's going to be, you're going to run into a whole bunch of Chris Pines. Well, over I, I said lust after. I did not say like stay in love with forever and never date anybody else. It. This is like the Captain America. Is he a virgin? Is he not? Kind of scenario. Like, yeah, he probably is. But who did he lose his V card to? And, uh. Diana, on the other hand, did she really go 70 years without having sex? It's pretty implied that she, like, won't even give another guy the time of day. Like, they, they, well, she doesn't give anybody the time of day. The implication that's true. is She's, that, like, become into herself, that's, yeah. it, you know, in her job. So, like, like I don't want to downplay her feelings for Steve because they, they knew each other for more than two weeks. So that's not like, yes. How long was it in the first movie? Because it didn't seem like it was that it long. Has to, it has to be several months in that movie. From from him showing up in Themyscira to the end of the movie has to be several. They get months. attacked immediately. But they travel to quite a few places, and it, back then it takes it's time. Still, it's still for a few months. Like I, I agree, it doesn't make any sense that she would still be this focused on that. You know, almost a, well. I guess it's in the eighties. I have to keep remembering it takes place in the eighties and not today. But you yeah, know, it's seventy years. Seventy <laughs> years later, right? Like that's still that's hard for me to understand because there's people in the real world who did lose their spouses and their significant others to disease or accident or something like that, and you know lived another 40, 50 years without them. And it, but if, they don't remarry or something, so it is possible. You better be impossible. in therapy. That was never my like, point. You, you need to be getting counseling. You need to talk to somebody. You need help. And Diana's not doing that. And I feel really bad for her. But on the same side, it just comes off. It comes off a little unbelievable. The, the, well, that wasn't my problem. My problem was like that is her whole character. Like the whole plot of this movie is driven around her uh, love for a man. And like that whole thing is the man is like if she can't give up her man, then like, that's, you know what I mean? It, it, it's all a man. Why does it have to be about, um, like, I thought that was a big problem for women in movies that everything was like driven towards a man. And that may just be my understanding. That, that I guess I don't have a problem with it because of just how well the two of them sell it for me. Like I truly believe in their romance kind of thing. And you know, it's not, to me, it's not like Batman, you know, Wonder Woman doesn't have a ton of love interests in the comics and Batman has Batman has a new one every week. So uh, I'm just not used to it. Like Wonder Woman is a forever kind Wonder Woman's mate for life, guys. <laughs> like that's just how I looked at it. I do love the two of them. I do. I think they have incredible chemistry and I hope they are really great friends in real life. I. I'm going to be honest. I loved like the scene with Chris Pine, like trying on all these different outfits <laughs> and I hate him because he looked amazing in every single one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> Whereas if I tried on most of those, like people just laugh at me, but I feel like he could walk into like a shopping mall today wearing any of those outfits and he'd still have women all over him or men all over him or any number oh, of yeah. people yeah. in general all over him, which makes me hate him even more but whatever that was a great scene i love that she let him keep the shoes you know but yeah. all this was stolen from the dude so it's also kind of a mixed you know i don't know it's such a weird thing but it's hard then because like i i loved seeing him in this and him getting to play the fish out of water a little bit when she was that in the first movie and just their chemistry together is is wonderful they do have good and, chemistry yeah i'm definitely not arguing that so like i liked having him in this and i like that 
you know, they have to kind of, they save each other back and forth. It's a, it's very equal footing for both of them, you know, it, it, over the course of the story. I have a problem with that because it shouldn't be. She is a literal fucking God. It should not be equal footing. He should not have to save her constantly. And that to me is where the issue is. Not that like he is helping. Like, of course he's going to help. He loves her. But my problem is that he felt really shooed in there. Like, why is he going on all these adventures? There's no reason for him to go to Cairo. There's no reason for him to, like, help her break into Max Lord's building and stuff. Like, but then you can't show he, him magically know how to fly a piece of technology that's way beyond anything he's ever dealt with and somehow is completely fueled up while it's sitting in the Smithsonian. So, yeah. wait, hang on, before... <laughs> I don't want to get to that scene yet because I do want to talk about it. But... I think, though, I mean, that th makes sense to me that he's brought along because she wants him there. Because keep in mind, sh he's really all she's wanted for, for the last 70 years. So that's that's an easy sell for me. And he really only is saving her when she starts losing her powers, again, because of the wish. I will say that, like, I, I did notice what you're talking about, Rachel, but I did like the I, I liked it when. uh he, like he she'd be like taking out like 20 guys right <laughs> knocking guys right left and then he'd be focused on this one dude his job was like to beat up one guy yeah oh wonder Woman would just destroy everybody i, I like that it. i thought it was yeah. funny i know i like that too that yeah. was, i'm not i'm not mad about that i'm saying that's something i really enjoyed i thought that was no scary. it was a black widow happy hogan scene all yeah, over exactly. yes yeah, exactly. yeah. This is only it wasn't played for comedy. It was played for I still laugh, know, but yeah, was, action. Yeah, it was I'm just you. Know, funny to me. Yeah. Now for the plane. Aside from the fact that yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, does the Smithsonian just like fly their planes around and they keep they them, just like, keep fueled them fully up? fueled up on the? I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, I do want to say I I really thought it was interesting how they came up with the invisible jet because. I, I have a personal pet peeve in superhero stuff where the superhero character has really cool costumes or tech or gadgets or vehicles or whatever. And there's no explanation for where any of it comes from. You know, like, like Spider-Man is a good example. Like Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, who's making that suit. Is he really making that suit and aunt in his bedroom at aunt May's like, I just don't believe that. Right. And so for wonder woman to get an invisible jet without like the government giving it to her for some reason, just wasn't going to work for me. And I liked this. I thought it was a clever way to use powers that her mother you know, as, as talked about that she knows exists, but on a small scale, you didn't like it. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't necessary. Like it was just a completely irrelevant thing that they did is I, I, my problem, I was still having trouble getting over the fact that like he went from a biplane to a jet and it was exactly the same and he could fly him equally well. But, uh, the, my pro this is where like some of the continuity issues also come into play because, She's never like, don't you think her ability to make things turn invisible would have been handy in Justice League or in Batman v Superman or, you know, anything later on? It's definitely a continuity problem. I'm sure she just forgot how to do that somewhere in there. <laughs> and it, when you get to her flying later, this is also another thing that, you know, probably would have been handy in those movies. But she shows no knowledge of either of these things in those movies. So and the, and like powers are a big deal it's not that's a whole superhero so i don't disagree with you i i don't i think 
the, the problem here is this is what happens when you do a prequel in general, you run those types of risks. Cause how do you grow a character in the past? Right. That, that makes it very difficult, not impossible. And then on top of that, you've got the two other movies that take place ahead of this are just embroiled in controversy and complications and tons of interference from various situations. So like the characters not really even consistent across those two movies, let alone when you go back in time. So it, it's a very big problem that I don't know they that they could have avoided w- unless they just didn't want the character to be any different at all than when we saw her 30 years later. I think they could have developed her personality and like her care, like make her character deeper mm-hmm. without having to give new, new powers is the easy way out. But it because of this doesn't make sense because there's been movies that come after. That's where the problem is. I think we love Wonder Woman. We love Diana. The first movie was awesome. Uh, and has one of two of probably the most iconic scenes for me from any superhero movie. And, and they didn't have to really give her any powers that we hadn't seen in Batman v Superman. Um, you That's know what true. I, mean? I, I just think that the characterization, her characterization, they could have gone that way. And that would have been the less lazy way of trying to, uh, you know, make her a deeper character and make her grow. The whole movie is supposed to make her grow, right? This whole concept about, you know, you're being able to give up your wishes and becoming a stronger person or whatever the, the message was supposed to be. Um, so I don't know. That, that was a completely unnecessary thing. And those two powers are really powerful. Flying is a, is a really big upgrade for any superhero. Sure. And so being able to turn things invisible, that's some character's whole power is invisibility. <laughs> like, and she has that along with all the other God stuff. So I, I don't know. That was a weird thing for me. Ray, do you have any thoughts on the plane stuff? No. Okay. Uh, So let's talk about Barbara, Cheetah, Kristen Wiig. Let's talk about her a little bit. So um, when Ray has an opportunity to, to speak on it, just jump right in. But uh, yeah, I think we all probably have a similar issue with this. You know, she starts off as the, the, you know, nerdy intelligent unpopular character right who similar to every other one that's been in every superhero movie since the beginning of time well like i mean she's basically poison ivy from batman and robin or electro from amazing spider-man 2 i mean or the the, the same thing happens to every character then they get powers and they gain confidence and then they're cool they're the cool kid now you know Right. They, they all of a sudden look more attractive. Yeah. She's, she's, the wardrobe gets way better. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just, that was disappointing and kind of frustrating to see uh, in this movie. And like her character's fine, you know, but it just isn't, it's just not very compelling for the, the sad, lonely nerd becomes a villain story. I'm just not, it just doesn't really interest me anymore. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, I mean, it, when I talked in the beginning about how I thought this movie was too long, I think that the other thing that I would have cut out is probably all of the cheetah stuff. You can still introduce Barbara Minerva. She was most interesting to me when she was not the cool character. You know, even if she's kind of a tropey nerd character, I can relate to a nerd character. So that's fine. You give her a little bit more development, you know, and not have to rush into it in this first movie. The only reason her character existed in this movie was to give Wonder Woman a physical confrontation because it's not going to be a physical confrontation with Maxwell Lord. 
so the whole point of her character was just to fight Wonder Woman. And then that fight scene was disappointing. It was like done in at night so that they could hide bad CG because there's bad CG rampant throughout this movie. Um, the up close shot on her face, I didn't really particularly love the design, but it was it was at least well done and it looked somewhat practical. But like the CGI jumping around and stuff like that looked bad i thought it was it, it would have looked worse if it was during the day and so that's why i think they did like a night scene but yeah yeah i so touching on on, on some of those different things i this this movie does have the too many villains problem you know because they're not needed they're both good characters on their own you, you you can do an entire story that focuses on one of them cheetah right? is like her most iconic villain absolutely I mean, come and, on you know, you could either just do that character, right? And have her get her powers. Either she can get her powers from the stone. She can get her powers a different way. It doesn't really matter. You don't need Maxwell Lord to be your big bad in this but movie. She needs to wish to be an apex predator. What a stupid freaking bit of writing that was. Like, come it, on. It, it's not, it's not handled well. It's no. really not. And her character gets, you know, handcuffed by the fact that they have to focus so much on Maxwell Lord because his story is the big overarching problem that Wonder Woman has to solve. And so and she basically becomes his bodyguard. And that's that's really it's all she stupid. does, right? She's only fighting Wonder Woman, so she doesn't take her wish away. That's really all that it is. And then the, the problem with that, though, is she's operating under the assumption that if you get him to renounce his wish or you destroy the stone that'll undo everything the stone's ever done. But when the movie's over, that's not what happens. Right. So Wonder Woman could have defeated Maxwell Lord and Minerva's still been cheetah at the end of the movie. Right. So even her motivations there don't really line up or work in the narrative of the film. And then you can't focus well enough, in my opinion, on either of the villains. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I feel like they wanted Maxwell Lord to kind of be like a Trumpish figure, and that's why they wanted this movie. That's why Patty Jenkins was okay with this movie coming out on HBO Max if it meant it got released this year because it's topical, you know, right now. Right. Um, next year it would be less topical, but uh, yeah, I mean, she was cool as a nerd character. I really like when somebody's really like nerdy about something they love in a movie and she really loved like the gemology and cryptozoology would have been a cool thing to explore, but they don't even really like touch on no. that. But yeah. uh, you know, those things, that was really cool. And that made me relate to her character. And I can definitely understand wanting to be more like somebody cool that you meet. Um, but you know, I don't, the whole thing. Yeah. The, the fact that she turned out to just be a bodyguard for Maxwell Lord was like, come on, this is, wonder woman's most iconic villain i did like that she was able to like tear apart wonder woman's armor but that whole armor was a waste too in general um so i don't it doesn't really yeah so there's some cool scenes i like the white house stuff i liked the fight in the white house i thought that was pretty cool the nighttime fight scene was just a very generic superhero fight scene that we've all seen a bunch of times it reminded me a lot of like the black panther fight scene in the subway or other like the train thing i thought it looked Except, better than that yeah it, i mean the cgi was worse than black panther but it was certainly wasn't good in this for like uh the, the budget the movie had and the fact that it looked that bad on our small screens makes me go it probably would look as bad as black panther on the big screen to be honest if we noticed it this bad in in you know our smaller living room tvs I mean, I suppose that's possible. That would be hard, 
hard to say. I don't know what the actual budget was on this film. I don't have the data for that. You can imagine it's probably 150 or 200 million dollars. So probably somewhere between there since since Aquaman was 160. Yeah. Um I would say it's probably around that number. And any movie in that that area of of budget in my opinion has no excuse to have poor CG this day yeah. and age. So one of my biggest problems is just i don't i don't think i don't put any of this blame on any of the crew making the movie i don't think we as a people have figured out how to digitally render a humanoid feline creature that we're okay with i just don't think we know how to do it i don't know that it's necessarily a technological or financial constraint i'm just not sure we know how to actually render it when it's moving because it just always looks weird even in shots that are done well it still looks weird it never looks right and i just think maybe we need to avoid that kind of visual for the time being unless you're going to do it completely practically which obviously is all of our votes for the option but um we know that that's not the way movies are done especially with the covid stuff you know it's gonna it's always gonna be cg until that stuff comes back but yeah, I mean, it was that was disappointing. Her character is, could have been a really cool character. And I think it just needed, that needed to be saved for Wonder Woman 3. You can set up Barbara as like a friend to Diana in this movie throughout the whole movie and just make them get close. Um, you know, that way when she turns in the third movie, then that it becomes, it, it's much more emotionally impactful. But uh, yeah, just shoving her into this movie to be Maxwell Lord's bodyguard so you can have a physical fight scene but with Wonder Woman was disappointing. Well, cause it also, her fall reminds me of Enigma in Batman forever, right? You start off with this. Or Michelle Pfeiffer in returns. Well, you just, you start off with a good character, a good person, right? Somebody who's trying to do good, who's really incredibly intelligent and is trying to do the best job they can. And their fall is so far, so fast that it just, it doesn't get the development that it really deserves. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer's did get better development, I think, but than, than either of those other two ones. You're definitely right on that. The only time I've seen that storyline done well, where the fall actually got the development it deserved, was Harvey Dent in Dark Knight. Now, the problem is you didn't get the follow-up to see the actual villain because they killed him off. Yeah, what a waste. Because they ran, they ran out of time. They, did, they, they spent the, the whole movie doing the development. <laughs> Right. Like it's hard to do both in one movie, which is why I like the idea of sh- having her in this one. Right. Have her be the scientist and help have her help Diana track down the stone and understand the stone and all that stuff. And then have her fall some other way in the sequel in the third yeah, movie. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have confidence if it's the same writers as this movie. I wouldn't have the confidence that they could write that to make sense because that's it seemed like the writing the acting was fine all the actors all the main actors i have no complaints about any of them it's just like the writing fell really short the fucking apex predator line is going to be mocked by me for a long time because what a stupid so on here's here's the crazy thing patty jenkins and jeff johns wrote the freaking movie it's their movie 
it makes me worry about Patty Jenkins again, because like the last movie she wrote from what I've read is monster, which was back in like 2003 or something. But it's what about, been a while. What about John's like his, his not more incredibly known for writing in movies, his not, in, not... not in movies, but his stories and comics before all of this stuff has come out about, you know, the more recent things, but his stories and comics are some of the best DCs ever had. At least, definitely that they've had in my writing lifetime. a comic book and writing a movie are different things, and and I think that I, I don't know I don't know who to put the blame on. I don't want to put the blame on either of them because I mean Jeff Johns has kind of had a fall from grace lately, but him and Patty Jenkins I've liked stuff that both of them have done, but you know Jeff Johns traditionally hasn't been the best writer for comic book movies in the past. So. There is a third writer credited on the screenplay, so Jenkins and Johns are both credited for writing and the story but the third there's a third person on the on the writing which is dave callaham and he's known for for quite a bit of stuff i mean he did um geez um let's see he wrote the 2014 godzilla he wrote the sequel to Zombieland. he is writing on shang chi into the spider verse 2 and the new mortal Kombat movie but then he did write some not so great stuff like the expendables trilogy which isn't known for great writing it is not <laughs> so you know his his mileage may vary a bit too i guess so really at three at any point all three of them are really kind of in the middle at yeah. best at this point um so it's, it's kind of it reminds me of like Zack snyder when he uh, i'm going to compare it again to Zack snyder when he wrote sucker punch right that movie beautiful beautiful visually some of the coolest visuals i've seen in a movie but the writing was really bad really 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 bad and so i'm wondering if uh this is just one of those scenarios where she needs to leave the writing to somebody else and hope that they're better than she is yeah I mean, that's a that's a fair point i don't know i mean that's it all it always gets a little more complicated too when you have the same person writing and directing Right. The movie, yes. You know, just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're good at both. And there, don't get me wrong, there are some directors that that only do both, right? But you know, it doesn't have to be the case. And maybe you know, this it would just be better if somebody else did one of those two jobs. That's definitely possible. I agree. So let's let's talk about Maxwell Lord then, uh, which is, I mean, I thought he was really good. It was a very interesting character. I don't know a lot about his character. Um, some of the fun trivia behind it is that he was actually based, the character itself was, was originally based on Sam Neill, which is, which is kind of funny, but, um, you know, it was really interesting to see he's, you know, he's a, basically a failed businessman. He's kind, kind of created a Ponzi scheme, but it's really just to continuously get more funding. And so he doesn't go underwater, which I guess is a good way of defining that. Um, and he just, he also falls very quickly, but it's a little more believable for me. Yeah, I, I, it's it's also probably a little more relatable, but for anybody who's a parent, uh, you know, because they have he has this kid that like he just wants to make happy. That's show, that is implied in the early parts of the movie to be like his whole goal in life is to make his son happy, but then it quickly turns to selfishness and he brushes his kid off to the side. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's probably it hits a little harder for anybody who's a parent, but Pedro Pascal was great. Um, but it was just kind of, it wasn't, he made it a little deeper of a villain than it probably would have been with a different actor. But uh, it was still, it was a little weird that his like whole wish was to become the Dreamstone or whatever it was called. And uh, 
I don't know. That whole thing was weird. Instead of it's, like the wish is supposed to make things go bad, right? The whole thing of the stone is to make things go. So why didn't he just like turn into a rock? Well, it, I mean, it's because it took a toll on him, though. That was that was the bad. Right? So his was consequences that- are like over the next 75 years, which he can just fix by like making some other people wish and be like, oh, now I'm going to take your health. Well, it, I mean, it, it certainly felt like if he didn't start doing that, he was going to be dead in a matter of days. Right. Like but, this movie- so, I get what you're saying, but like the movie is showing it, the whole thing is stupid because his wish can be like continued and also he's fine. The negative consequences of his wish, he can just keep getting health from people because there's an infinite number of people and his photon technology means that he has access to even more people. Right. Well, right. I mean, I, I, I agree with you there. I thought it was kind of clever because it's, it's almost, it's kind of a play on the wishing for more wishes kind of concept, you know, like he understands the stone right? He's done his homework. He understands that the stone is able to take something away, right? And his negative that the stone gave him is that when people use the stone, it he starts to deteriorate and he found a way around that. Okay. I'm glad yeah. it worked for you. Well, I, it, 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 worked, it, it worked for me more than the idea of everybody recanting their wishes. Well, how that about, certainly how, didn't work for me. So. Because like I like the point of the movie. I like what Wonder Woman believes in and what she is trying to say that there are more good people than bad people. And that when push it's comes like to shove, too, right? That it, same it message. Is. Yeah. It, it is that message, right? It's it, when push comes to shove, people will do the right thing and, and take care of each other. And, you know, maybe because it's coming out now, maybe if it had come out, you know, when it was supposed to last year, I would feel differently about it. But if I've learned anything in 2020, it's that most people aren't that way. It's, it's really not the case. You know, there are a lot of bad people who do bad things and don't care what happens to other people truly. And so it's hard for me to buy into what ends up being the resolution of the movie. And maybe that makes me a cynic and a pessimist and, you know, I feel bad that I feel that way, but I do. Yeah. I mean, I know this movie was trying to like lean into the fact that it takes place in 1984, which I don't think it did really well um, because the eighties stuff was kind of glossed over other than the dressing up montage for Chris Pine, but um, it kind of tried to lean into the camp side, uh, you know, the campiness. Um, And I think like a movie like Ghostbusters two had that same similar message at the end, but uh in the 80s a movie like that worked and you know that was a pretty common thing that happened in 80s movies it was all about like people are good and whatever else in 2020 like you said that is not the case we know that's not the case people are kind of crappy most of the time and i that's the whole wish thing like people recanting their wishes or whatever that's why that doesn't work for me because you're going to tell me everybody in the world recanted their wishes and said i don't I, I don't really need this $50 million that just appeared in my living room. I'm, I'm going to give it back. You know, like nobody's going to do that. I mean, I believe that some people would, but yeah, I don't believe it would be a small percentage. Right. I think that's, that's where the real problem is. And maybe, and maybe again, this is, this is part of the, the, the lasso's abilities that we learn in this movie. Right. Which, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm, I fully really, buy into anyway is that you know she's influencing 
those people with the lasso because the lasso is wrapped around Lord and Lord is the one that's interacting with these people as the stone. She's influencing them through the lasso. So she's using her power to manipulate the entire world into and, trying to be good. And that's which that, is a that, problem in itself. Right. That creates its own problem. Then it's like, well, so she's she's influencing the minds of people, but it's to do good. So is that, but okay? is that good? Yeah. It's a, that's a huge morality question along with everything else in this movie. The, it is really weird. It never occurred to me that wonder woman 1984 would be this massive philosophical, ethical quandary of a film. That's not what I thought we were getting into. Yeah, here. Like, is she really a superhero or is like everything she's doing kind of shitty? I, I mean, it, it's difficult, right? She, she gives up Steve for the greater good, which is, which is a, a positive superhero esque thing to do, you know, and she's trying to use, I mean, the, the road, the lasso uses the power of truth. So theoretically, if that's truth, she's not manipulating anybody. She's showing people. Is that also how it is. deflects bullets with the truth? Well, that's a different power. That's, I mean, of course. Yeah. We'll just add a few more lasso powers in the next movie. By the end of the end of the series, it's going to be the infinity gauntlet. Basically. Well, come, come on. Superheroes get new powers all the time. That's not a new in comics. That's, I mean, in movies they do too. Not really. How many new, spi- new powers Superman, does Spider-Man Super- get through the spi- any of the Spider-Man trilogies? Well, 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 hang on, hang on. You're going to Superman. I'm saying you're talking about all these superheroes this happens to. I, I, I'm Spider- aware of the original Donner movies and what happened there. Spider-Man doesn't doesn't change in the first trilogy from after the initial, obviously. Change. He doesn't change in the second um, trilogy either. Do, well, the, you mean the new ones? Or the, the Sorry, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I actually haven't seen those, so I couldn't say. Uh, and then in the new ones, I mean, all of his powers are in suits, so he gets new powers all the time. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, he does. I mean, that's, fair. that's fair. <laughs> but I'm saying there's been a lot of classic superhero movies where that didn't happen, and that it, you're um, saying it happens all the time. Well, it no, doesn't really happen when, all the time. When a hero has multiple films, I think it happens most of the time. I think Captain if we were, America, how many new powers did he get? Captain America in no Captain America doesn't really get new powers That's unless true. they're like a tech based thing, yeah. which Spider-Man is he can add new powers or like Tony Stark can like make right. New stuff. But Batman can make new gadgets. Like I get that, but you know, the lasso of truth is a, an ancient relic that's been around in with the Amazons for how, how many years since their creation. And now you can discover all these powers that it can do that. That's my problem. I, mean, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's more if we just haven't seen them in use. Cause she's barely been shown. I mean, keep Would in mind, like you reference like these other powers, if it had all these powers be like, there's gotta be a situation where this stuff would be useful in Batman V Superman or in justice league. Well in BVS, she's, she's barely in BVS right she's reluctantly in bvs well and justice league is a disaster so if we're gonna hold all of her abilities to justice league we have a big problem well those are the only two modern day movies she's been in so i know so like really there's only like but the justice league movie like it's just such a disaster of a mess i don't want to hold any of the characters to that movie but the Snyder cut could be too, but you're, and you're going to be holding holding them accountable in that movie then we'll 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 have this conversation again after the Snyder cut i can't wait okay Cause it'll be different if the Snyder cut ends up being really good or something like that. And she, she, you know, then we'll have that conversation. I hope it is, but man, you better buy a lottery ticket. If you're really convinced it's going to be good. 
I, I'm and then I hope be... I hope both of those things happen. You win the lottery, and this is good. Like, <laughs> I'm convinced that it'll be better than the theatrical cut. I mean, that's a low bar to cross, so I sure hope so. Hey, man, I'm big on expectation <laughs> setting. That's my that's my goal. It's for it to fair. be better than the version we currently have. Yeah. That's, that's what did you think goal. of the roping the lightning scene? It seems to have some controversy among uh, fans. She's done lots of weird things with the lasso and animated stuff. So that didn't bother me. Okay. Well, I guess because I haven't seen all the animated stuff, it, I thought that was very weird. And also if she can fly, why does she need to do that? And also why did she need to fly from for 15 minutes to get from one point in Washington, DC to another point in Washington, DC. And also, really? how did she lasso that plane? Wait, wait. Is it? Hang on. Well, when did she fly somewhere for fifteen minutes? When she discovers her flight power, she's yeah. in Washington D.C. Uh-huh. And then she flies to go get her armor, which is also in Washington D.C. And then shows oh. up back to. You know what I mean? Like, Sorry. It's just, why does she need to fly that far? You can get there in a cab in five minutes, probably. I, but like, she was just learning, learning that she could do it. So I figured she was okay. just like enjoying her solitude. Is there, there some explanation to how the lasso gets as long as you need it to be for the plot? Like how she's yeah, able to I mean, lasso the, it's the exact the plane? Same, it uses the exact same technology that the vibranium shield does every time it bounces perfectly. Okay. I mean, like it's the At same least thing. That's right? explained, though. That's explained. No, it's not. Yes, it is. The the uh, shield can reflect any energy. That which means it shouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, okay, it doesn't. Def- the physics aren't always one hundred percent right. Sure, but at least there's some power explanation with the lasso. It's We're magic. Never- it's a god. It's a godlike. So it can have object. any power she wants it to. Got it. Look, all I'm saying is, if the shield can do all the things we've seen it do in the captain america stuff then this lasso can do what we've seen it do in the animated series was it as long as she needed it for anything did she lasso stuff a mile away i mean she lassos quite a bit of large things it does seem to change length that's true i guess big creatures and stuff yeah Yeah. i don't know that it was just really weird for me that even the lasso became like this MacGuffin that can do anything i that didn't really bother me we I mean, look, there, there are clearly expectations. There are clearly things in the movie that did, but like that, that doesn't really bother me. I mean, it doesn't bother me any more than like Spider-Man can swing his web when there's no buildings around. Yeah, I mean, but I that's mean, always been like that, right? Right. Uh, well, that's in what I'm the saying, chat, They said her Booma crown or the tiara throwing. I actually thought that was cool, but that is old. That that's an old school thing that she's done. Like that I, was I thought it had a history era. from yeah. from like a ways back. I thought that was cool to see because we never really get to see that or like what the point of her tiara is. But that then was she gets cool. To, so I did like that one little thing. But yeah, that was the lassoing thing was always is always going to be a problem for me. I hope they don't lean into that as much in the third one. I don't know. I mean, Batman's done just like almost as much with his uh, grappling hook. Sure, but at least Batman is a is a tech based hero that can modify his stuff, and so there's some explanation, it's, right? It's still hers strict. is an ancient year old weapon, you know, million year old weapon or whatever. But it's but it's it's also from the Greek gods of Zeus, whereas like you know the grappling hook is a string. Except <laughs> that Batman also has stuff that's from gods too. He makes a whole suit in the comic books that's like been taken to the sun by Superman and been taken to the depths of the ocean by Aquaman. Not so in any of the live action movies. <laughs> yeah, but all the lasso stuff wasn't in any live action movies too. And you're you're talking about the animated series, you know, that things are just, okay there. I'm just saying that because of the things we've seen in live action movies, I'm okay with it. 
<laughs> in chat, they said if you can lasso a cloud, you can stick webbing to them too. And I exactly think so that's whatever. Yeah. I don't know if I agree, but that's a good explanation. <laughs> I'll take it. That just didn't bother me. I've seen so yeah. many weird things like that. That's, you and I just fine. like at different things on stuff like that, I guess. And that's fine. I think so. I'm I glad that you were able, able to find enjoyment in things that I wasn't. <laughs> Um, so just so people know, Ray, Ray had to, to drop off to take care of our daughter. We had some bad weather out here, so our, our assistance was not available tonight. So hopefully that is rectified moving forward or just because it's happened two weeks in a row. Don't, don't think yeah, that's going to happen every week. It, it will is that it's an abnormal coincidence. It just and... happened that Rachel got to get out of talking about face off one week. I don't know if that's a coincidence in my mind. That seems like, <laughs> Oh, the baby needs. Yeah, but now she's bed. missing out on Wonder Woman. And, I know. You know this so this big... one I believe, but face yeah. off, I'm not sure if I buy right. that one, but whatever. All right. <laughs> uh, is there anything else on the movie you wanted to talk about? The chase scene was really cool. Uh, the like the car desert? chases, yeah, when she's like kicking the, the buses and stuff. Uh, but it started the whole like losing the powers thing, and I really hate that trope in movies now. It's been done well a few times, but it's been it's happened so many times now that I don't know. I don't. It seems like lazy writing to me when the hero, the only interesting way they can, or the only way they can make the hero interesting, is to make them lose their powers and have to find a way to work without them. Well, but she—that's not really what it's about, though. Here, it's about she can either be Wonder Woman or she can have Steve. Ultimately, that's the choice. But but uh, the whole losing powers trope is—I I don't know. It's just not my favorite thing anymore. That's fair. It's not like the, the greatest thing ever, but I appreciated that it was different this time around. So that was fine. Okay. Uh, the car chase was cool. Definitely. I'm with you there. The uh, post credit scene or the mid credit scene, which is yeah. what it really is. Um, I mean, I guess some people had built up my expectations because every post I saw, whether they liked the movie or not, were like, man, that mid credit scene's amazing. So I was like expecting something pretty big you know, a big villain reveal or another superhero shows up or something. What did you think? Uh, I think it was probably more impactful for the people who are big fans of Linda Carter and her show. For me, it was like, she turned to the camera and winked. Like, so this character has the power to break the fourth wall. I mean, I don't know. It, the whole thing was a little weird. I, I'm I hope so. I'm glad some people really liked it and that it meant something cool to a lot of people. But in the scope of like Wonder Woman in general, I mean, I don't know. It was it was a little weird. I like the idea of Linda Carter being Asteria. I think that that's a super cool way to bring her into it. And I like her and I like her version of, of the Wonder Woman character. Um, and I love when she shows up on other DC properties, like when she's the president on Supergirl. But yeah, the, the winking, I think, was unnecessary. And I think it would have been really cool to make it obvious that it was her in the flashback scene with Hysteria. Yeah, and really just solidify That would have been way cooler. Just, like, not make a big deal about it. Just show her, like, doing something awesome with this armor. And yeah. that would have been way cooler than that scene we got at the end. My thing is, like, I totally love the idea of bringing previous actors in, in these superhero movies to, uh, like, guest cameo or whatever. Um, and the one I reference is the Incredible Hulk, with, where Lou Ferrigno and Stan Lee, you see them just walking by. It's not yeah. a big deal. If you're a fan, you know that this is Lou Ferrigno and Stan Lee. Well, but is it otherwise, Lou a in that? Is, is he was that a security guard. Security guard. Yeah. Uh, but you, 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 if you don't know who it is, then it just looks like a really beefy security guard, <laughs> right. which is fine, right? But it doesn't take you out of the movie. This whole thing, 
I mean, it was at this point, the movie was over. So I guess it didn't really take me out of the movie, but it was just a weird way of doing it and seemed kind of lazy. I like that idea of her like you do. I do. I like the idea of her being hysteria, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. The winking into the camera is like, no. we make jokes about that, about right. like th- that Nicolas Cage is so corny in this one scene that he's basically looking at the camera and winking. We joke about that. And then they actually did this in a like $200 million blockbuster movie. Yeah, I- I'm with you there. Some of the and, and some of the other like crediting stuff was really weird because Connie Nelson and uh, Robin Wright are credited really high in the movie and, and they're in the opening credits and everything. And they're barely in it. Yeah. Right. They're, I was they're a little just disappointed. I was expecting more flashbacks throughout the film, you know, or part of me also thought, and I know that uh, Antiope was, would have been dead at this point, but I did expect Gal to come back to Themyscira to get the armor. I when I, when I saw that it was going to be in the, in the trailers, that would have made more sense other than like, she's just got it sitting in her apartment. Right. Under like a sheet. So like, I figured like we would see her mother. Right. She's sneaking in the Themyscira to get the armor and her mother, you know, catches her because she you can't get anything by her kind of thing. Right. Like something well, we, like that. We, we got a little bit of Hippolyta in the, in the opening. Right. But that was it. Very little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the two of them got so little like they got more screen time than they got lines, but still very little. And I love them both, especially in this. And I just really would have liked more. You know, we um, joked about like the deep movie idea and stuff like that, but like a Themyscira movie would be really cool. And I don't think there's any of us that would have a problem with that. That's no. way more interesting than the, the trench movie or whatever it is that they're doing. Oh yeah. So, I want to um, see Antiope. I want to see Robin Wright go to war as that character. Cause she I is see such Apollo a badass. Go to war. Like I want to see, I just like seeing badass women do badass stuff. And this movie had a distinct lack of that, unfortunately um and amazons are like the most badass women and you know i don't know i I would be on board for that show and there's been rumors about a show or a movie but you know i think that that's i think it's officially happening as a production but so was supergirl and like all these other movies that they've talked well, but about but this was much you know, more cyborg. recently announced though so this was you know we're we're in the snyder cut oops excuse me we're in the snyder cut world now so i think things sure. are just you know things are different i think the original lineup is out the window i just All think that DC, stuff like you can't count on anything they tell you that's happening because it's it, it more, it's wrong more than it's right well because they also lie a lot right yeah you know, they think they, they straight up lie about stuff like you know for example the, the big thing that came out was that the and this is just a weird freaking quote but that the snyder cut is a cul-de-sac story which means it goes nowhere and like look if it does really well, if a lot of people watch it, yeah, you think they're not going to do another one? Are they going to just ignore that? Because that, why would they give it a seventy million dollars to finish a movie that everybody hated? Why would you do that if 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 there's no chance for anything, even if it's good? What was what's the right. point? Right, that makes no sense. So if people like it and it does well, yeah, that's going to be used in some capacity, either for storyline stuff or for a sequel or whatever it's just a dumb thing to say i agree you know and so it's just dc warner brothers has issues at the executive level there is no question about that and it is confusing and it makes it very difficult sometimes to be a fan um and you know i mean here they're fast tracking wonder woman 3 it was greenlit and fast tracked immediately and you know that's fine but like two months ago they were like yeah there's zero plans for a third film well how do you go literally from zero to it's our most important priority 
on like day two of it being out especially with the, the reviews being like as mixed as they are well it's weird the reviews are strange because when it first came out it was actually reviewed very highly and was certified fresh on rotten tomatoes for a long time and then basically it's just continued to decrease over time i think um, it's because more reviews have come out because when you were looking at it and it was at 89 percent, it was at like 13 reviews or something like that it's just it's a little weird because normally a movie either gets hit really hard really fast like bvs did you know or it just stays relatively high because it's you know non-offensive or something like that um where would you so there's nine dceu films so not not counting joker because it's on its own thing where would you put this one in your ranking of those films if it was in terms of my disappointment it would be right <laughs> above justice league because i loved the first one movie but uh, i mean it's it's low uh, it's above Justice League and it's above Justice League and it's above uh, Suicide Squad. And I think that's about it. Okay. I think I enjoyed Batman v Superman more personally, even though it also had a lot of issues. Um, you know, and that was the next probably worst movie on my list. So, okay. What about you? Um, I have it kind of in the middle. I, uh, I have it basically, I have it fifth of nine. So literally in the middle. Um, Suicide Squad, Justice League are my bottom two in, in that order with Justice League at the bottom. Um, and then, I don't know, every time I see Man of Steel, I like it a little less. So it's slowly moved down my list over the years. Um, so I have uh, BVS and Man of Steel after 84 right now. Wow. You know, but uh, you know, I, I also said that that could shift a little bit. I, I tweeted about it because I just it's a little bit hard in the middle there. I know what my top three are and I know what my bottom two are and everything else is a little more nebulous. Yeah. And like you said, Man of Steel has shifted for you. This movie will probably shift too. I mean, it's... right. You know, it's one of those things where like most of the time we get out of these conversations. And I like a movie less than when we started with exceptions being like Thor Ragnarok. I liked more when we were done, uh, but that's I take rare. a lot of credit for that one. You do. But like this movie, no, I'm saying I personally am yeah. taking a lot of the no, I know. credit, yeah. whether you're giving it or not. I'm taking I'm giving, it. I'm giving it to you. Okay. I appreciate um, that. But this movie didn't really move much. I still feel pretty much the same about it. Uh, and I think it's fine. You know, I think that's really the best way for me to describe it. Which is sad because we were all really looking forward to this movie. So to say it's, it's fine is that's hugely disappointing. It's a great cast. Just really, really good, solid. Couldn't save cast. it though. And yeah i mean it's hard you know it's tough because Kristen wig we all we all were like Kristen wig is cheetah you know we wanted to give her a chance but it was a weird casting and then she i thought for what she was written i mean i thought she did a good job so she yeah, was fine it's, it's i think you know i think uh, pedro pascal he he elevated the role a bit i think he really brought it and did a phenomenal job with what he had to work with and you know like at this point gals just solidified herself for me as diana prince as wonder woman and she'd have to do a pretty terrible job probably to shake that um and you know so there were some great moments for her in this movie there's some great moments for steve in this movie but... i was hoping she'd have a little bit more 80s hair she's like a little bit too fashionable all the time right like this is the 80s fashionable then was not what she was doing yeah i don't know part of me was a little relieved that it wasn't like everything's 80s because i feel like anything that's modern that does the 80s has to be like very 80s but also you have to do have to lean into it some yeah 
and I thought this movie, it, there was, there's a happy medium there between That's what fair. you're talking about and what this movie did. You know, there, I don't fair. know. No, I mean, you're right. Like the fact that it took place in the eighties only really seemed important. So that way there weren't any other superheroes. Right. Because right? any other superheroes would have reacted to this. Well, cause it, it avoided the Thor, the dark world problem. Right. Where London's being destroyed after the Avengers movie, where is everybody? Right? right. This would have had the same problem. Right. You know, the entire world is in chaos and there's giant walls being built and people are being slaughtered. Where is Superman? You know, um, that would have been a problem. So but I, see, I, also, there's still there's still problems, though, because like everybody remembered that this stuff happened. They referenced the thing and say our nukes are disappearing. So it's not like everybody's memory is just wiped of correct. what happened. So does everybody just have this? weird thing that happened to him in this one day in 1984 man, 1984 was a wild year man <laughs> i know there's a lot of great movies released that year but yeah it was it's just there's it's so weird i don't know we've been talking for a long time about yeah. it so we should probably chill out but yeah it's, you're right there's so many problems you're right well this is our last show for 2020 it'll release on new year's eve so if you're listening to this uh any other time than than, than then uh you know happy new year to everybody we thank everyone who joined us live in the chat and for talking with us thank you very much we do record or we stream this live tuesday nights 9 p.m eastern we're doing it on the heroes podcast network facebook page so you can join us there and chat with us during the show we will be back next week. We're kicking off the new year. We've got tons of stuff planned for 2021. We'll be doing lots of Marvel uh, content. We will definitely find time for uh, the Snyder Cut and Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier after WandaVision. So stay tuned for all of that cool goodness. Uh, you can find Ray at Siren Ray, and hopefully you can find her here next week in her full form. We'll, we'll make sure that that happens, I promise. And you can find me at the Star Trek Dude. You can find Ryan at Buster Props. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod or heroespodcasts.com. Please join the Screen Heroes Podcast Forum on Facebook. We do tournaments, polls, post news and memes and fun discussions. So you can come talk to us out there on Facebook or just subscribe to the show. We're available pretty much everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast Addict, you name it. Drop us a review. We will read your review live on the show. Get those reviews in because we're going to kick off the new year if we get any. We'll see. Probably not, but, Probably. but we're hoping. Fingers hey, crossed. Surprise me. That's my that's my New Year's wish is for some reviews on the show. So go ahead and review us. You can review us on uh, Podcast Addict and stitcher and apple podcasts i'm probably you can probably review us on other places too but i know those for sure so thank you everybody happy new year we'll see you in 2021